Hello and welcome to season three of the Melrose Place cast. I'm Mary. I can't believe we're still doing this. Oh my gosh, I'm Teej. And what what could possibly stop us, Mary? I don't know at this point. I honestly don't know. And I wonder sometimes. Season three, wow, it is really kicking it up a notch. Mary, we are cooking with grease this season. We are firing on all cylinders. Oh my God. And speaking of fire, I don't know about you, but I think there may be some explosive plot twists coming our way. (laughs) Did you say explosive? Yeah, are we this getting... place about to blow. Are we going to get sued? <laughs> Have the money. Please don't sue us. They can take all the royalties. We don't make any money. Because you know what? There's no real There's no real sponsors. But each week, we're going to have a couple fake ones. We sure will. And you're going to learn all about them coming up now on the Melrose Placecast. Hello and welcome to the Melrose Place cast. Today we're talking about season three, episode 27, A Hose by Any Other Name, which I don't understand. I'm Mary. I'm Teach. Mary, it's about pantyhose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Old ladies used to just call them hose. The hosiery. Ho- hosiery, will. yeah. Now, but when I. It was like some kind of play on like hose. Yeah, know? like the hose. Yeah. <laughs> Mary, this was such an artistic episode. Like, I literally, I have six stars on my notes of like, I could talk about this, I could talk about this, I could talk about this. So I, I, I know season three has been rough for me, but it is ending. Uh, it is approaching the end in my era area. Mm-hmm. But I think the the final explosion might be for you. You know, <laughs> you know. I would say I don't have a shortage of material. <laughs> well, let's 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 battle it out rhetorically only. Rhetorically only. I don't want to punch anyone. Can I can I just get started? I don't want to reveal all three of my quotes because I uh, I'm doing a little something different today. I like it. This lends an air of mystery, much like a. I was going to make some kind of Mrs. Molly's cookies reference, but I don't have one ready. So I'm an enigma, if you will. Oh, wrapped in a conundrum, wrapped in a fat-free cookie from Mrs. Molly. Okay, you were determined. All right. I did it. So I've got the first quote. Okay. Is that guy gay? (laughs) I thought we might be going there. All right. (laughs) We're going there. Mary, he (laughs) showed up. Dr. Paul, sexy doctor, plastic surgeon. I forgot all about Dr. Paul. I don't know how. What's going on? This is the only interesting storyline Matt gets in his entirety on this show. That's so sad. <laughs> listen, listen, listeners, if you are genuinely paired us with your rewatch and you haven't seen this show, I'm about to spoil the storyline. So like zip ahead by one minute. Do, 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 do. You've been warned. This is the doctor that sets him up for the murder of his wife. Murder. Murder in the first degree. Murder. All right. Well, Dr. Paul shows up. Uh, he is talking to Michael Mancini, Dr. Michael Mancini. They're walking through. It's established that Dr. Paul is a plastic surgeon. And Michael says, hey, I wouldn't. He's such a fucking snake, Michael Mancini. I wouldn't wouldn't mind meeting any of, any of the patients, you know, of the, the lady variety that you've done some upper body work to or whatever he said. And Dr. Paul reveals that he really just focuses on burn victims. And so he doesn't have that. And Michael's like, oh, well. Too bad. 
Okay, I'm sorry, Michael Mancini. You do not get to walk through the halls of this hospital after you've been married to and cheated with all three of these women. You've been married to Kimberly, married to Jane, married to Sydney, cheated on each of them with each of the others, right? Yeah, the, there's... Yeah. But you know what? I'll say for him, he's loyal within his own ecosystem. Like, there's not any <laughs> other ladies. It's just those three all combining. So while he was married to Kimberly, he did sleep both with Sydney and with Jane, now that he just slept with Sydney. But when he was married to Jane, he did not sleep with Sydney. Is that correct? I believe, yes, they were divorced by then. And when he was married to Sydney, he did not sleep with Jane. I don't think so, no. You know, because he's classy. If there's one word that springs to mind when I think of Dr. Michael Mancini, it's classy. Classy Michael. Anyway, um, Matt comes by. Uh, I don't know what job he has at this hospital anymore. It doesn't make any sense to me. But he, <laughs> he interrupts them. walking around welcoming people. <laughs> yeah. And he's in a quick conversation with Michael, paying no attention really to Dr. Paul. But because I knew what, or I suspected what Dr. Paul was, I noticed this. Matt walks up to Michael briefly acknowledges Dr. Paul, turns back to Michael. And then there's this moment where Matt turns back again to Dr. Paul because he like struck his fancy. Like he, he gave him a double take. If, in the conversation yeah. with Michael, Matt refers to Jeffrey. Um, I forget what he, what the conversation was. Oh, they're going somewhere. Matt said, no, he's going alone. You know, as, ever since Jeffrey and I broke up, I, I've been single or whatever. And it was just enough. It was the signal, right? Dr. Paul picked it up. And as Matt was walking away, he said to Michael, is that guy gay? But not in a like, hey, is that guy gay kind of way? Enough to make Michael Mancini, who we hate for every other reason except this. <laughs> he responded in, with his New Jersey accent. Yeah, what of it? What about it? And the guy's like, oh, nothing. I'm just not used to people being so open about it. Because, you know, it's L.A. <laughs> this hospital is in West Hollywood. Look, there's a lot going on at this hospital. They have a lot of car accidents out on the street. They have a lot of um, pills getting switched. Like, Listen, there's, there's no, more, no more dangerous place in America than Melrose Place with a bag of groceries. <laughs> Never walk with your groceries. Go immediately to your car. I am surprised. I am really surprised that the Republican midterm campaign from a few months ago didn't <laughs> talk about this scourge of grocery bag muggings the grocery bag bandits yeah I, anyway is that guy gay said with the like the the um armor of because i don't think i like it right like that tone um i thought was high art for the generations just the way he was putting on that straight guy tough guy image of like oh gay oh that one right there <laughs> I've been, you know, checking him out as he's walking away, looking at the ass. I have, I've, I've heard that. I've seen that. Um, and I thought it was a realistic portrayal of how someone who is in the closet would project out. So for example, I want to talk about Madison Cawthorn. Do you know her? A little. Yeah. He I know, is. He's I know the, of them. <laughs> yes. He's the congressman. I think he was the youngest congressman ever elected until Max Frost in November, last November. Um, he was in, he is in a wheelchair and incredibly conventionally attractive. Mm -hmm. And as he was going through his primary, the Republicans didn't want him out anymore. He's the one that in an interview said, you know, it's weird when you come to Washington, you look up to and respect all these people. And then they invite you to a little sexual get together. <laughs> 
sexual get together, if you will, which is something that Michael Mancini would host. And he says, wait a minute, what did you just invite me to? So then everybody followed up with like, um, I'm sorry, which Republicans do you look up to? Invited you to an <laughs> octogenarian orgy. And he, he stood up. But the Republicans, they didn't like him. So they kept releasing all of this like oppo research on him. The Republicans did it so they could beat him in the primary. Um. And it worked. But one of them, there was this video of him making weird monkey noises naked and thrusting his junk in his in a guy's face okay huh. all right all right and in the discussion the dialogue that came out was like that's weird that's gay and the gays were like we were like um let me tell you nothing about that was gay <laughs> the the like it's gay chicken is the game now that the kids do where they're like pretend to be gay with each other so much until it's to see who who will cross the line or who will uh-huh. like throw up the flag, right? Like, like, oh, I might kiss you. Oh my God, look how close I am, right? To see uh-huh. who will pull back first. But back then they sure weren't doing that. And the, the other thing, what the gays said was this this pretending to be gay, this like gay game stuff, that is the last thing closeted gays do. We are terrified of it. There's no possibility that we would like pretend to be gay because we are convinced everybody's gonna find out in, at the, you know, in the worst moment. So mm-hmm. that's what sure. this do- Dr. Paul was doing. Dr. Paul really was the precursor for Madison Cawthorn, now that I think about it, in that if he, the way he said it, is that guy gay, it had to have a twinge of, because I might hate him, or I might beat him up, otherwise he would be worried. He couldn't just say like, oh, is that guy gay? Because then you might think he's gay himself, and he's got to stay in the closet. And that is my higher point for the generations. The veneer of gay panic, Mary. The veneer, if you will. Are you going to talk any more about this? Yep. All right, I'll let it go then. <laughs> um, I, on this point, um, so your your thesis is that it shows the the evidence of the gay panic and not wanting to appear gay while also being curious about, oh, is Matt gay? Yes, he needs to find out if he's gay because he's interested. Okay. But but you have to, but back then you had to ask with that tinge of, because I might beat him up in your voice. Yeah. Otherwise people might think you're gay. That's his fear. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll let that, yeah, that make, that's fair. Okay. Listen, I always win the gay points. I always win the gay points. I know. I can't really, I, I mean, I'm, you're the expert. I mean, what? <laughs> like it's, it's the gays and the ladies. I know them both. Like, that's the first thing I think every time. Gays and ladies with that one. <laughs> um. Oh boy, I don't know where to where to begin. Um. Well, I'm gonna do one of my shorter ones first. Okay, let's do it. I call this one. You're free to go home today, this morning, now. <laughs> okay, this is one of your shorter ones. Yeah, this okay. one's relatively short. So we're back at no more victims camp for those. No who more remember. victims. No more victims. No more. If, if you forgot from last time, no more victims is this like survivalist camp that Dr. Kimberly Shaw is attending, and mm-hmm. she is not popular with the other attendees. Um, do you, the, do, Mary? Do you think it's odd that the drill sergeant refers to her as Dr. Shaw? Like, wouldn't they have he stripped that? Every time, though, he does sometimes, and other times he calls her Kimberly, doesn't he? Okay. All right. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Okay. Um, anyway, so that we're back. It's like a new, it's a new day at No More Victims. The the ladies are all running around in their gray sweatshirts, sweats outfits that say No More Victims in red. Uh, the drill sergeant's making them go through this like punch fighting drill, 
And so Kimberly and her nemesis, Maureen, although we're never, I'm not really sure why they're nemesis to each other other than Maureen wished her that one time, but I guess mm-hmm, that's not. Mm-hmm. Anyway, those two, for some reason, are paired up to spar, which seems like a poor choice. Yeah. Uh, the drill sergeant walks by and then Kimberly flips Maureen on the ground and Maureen's like, you're going to regret that, bitch. The drill sergeant <laughs> hears that and runs back because he knows they have a history. He's like, Kimberly, no, no, no. The key word here is cooperation. That's what makes a winner. That's how we learn. You got it? And Kimberly's like, you're looking at this all wrong, buddy boy. And he's like, no, you are. You got to get with the program. And so he gathers the ladies around and they're going to work on this move called the forward chokehold, which reminds you of something one of my brothers used to do to me as a child. He asks (laughs) if there are any volunteers. And Kimberly, of course, is the only one who raises her hand and he reluctantly calls her up. He puts her into the position and he goes Mm -hmm. through, there's like three steps where you like knock somebody and then you knock them down. So they're like, they're rendered harmless, as he says. Mm -hmm. Kimberly did not like getting dropped to the ground, uh, clearly judging by her face. And you know, for sure, because then the spooky, scary music starts and he has her get up and he's like, okay, now you try it on me. And they get into position. She goes through the three steps kind of roughly Mm -hmm. and abrasively Mm -hmm. with him. She gets him on the ground. And then she does an extra step and snaps his arm backwards up over his shoulder. Like it pops and all the women gasp. And yeah, he's like, yeah, I gasped too. I did not like it. Did not care it, for this scene. No, it looked uncomfortable. <laughs> and uh, he's laying there grunting and the women all run up and he's like, oh, she broke my arm. And Kimberly stands up and he goes, oh, how awful. Very unconvincingly, uh, she walks away while the other women all glare at her, which is a recurring theme here at Number Victor's Camp. So later we cut, I assume it's the next day or later the same day. Kimberly's by herself. She's doing sit-ups very aggressively by herself. I have to point something out because this was almost one of my high art points. We see her doing sit-ups and she's counting as she's doing it. She's saying 23, 24. 25 and then people come up and all of a sudden she's like 197 198 and it was like oh you beach body bitches right like you fake ass motherfuckers like your pdx your paul ryan nonsense oh paul ryan oh paul ryan he's a never again trumper now well good for him i guess yeah we'll see uh okay so Kimberly's doing her setups and from behind this is a nice shot i will give them credit for the way they set this up she's in the foreground Behind, we see the camouflage pants of the drill sergeant coming mm-hmm. and then a bunch mm-hmm. of the sweatpant ladies coming. And so she's like, oh, hey, Sarge. I slept like a baby. <laughs> What's on for today? And then, like you said, she's counting up to 200. She pops up to her feet. She's all smiles. And then she notices the very obvious large sling on his arm. It's like, oh, how's your arm today? And he <laughs> says, it's the same. <laughs> Which made me laugh. He, he goes on. He's like, we feel that you have accomplished so much at No More Victims that there's nothing else for you to learn. So you're free to go home today, <laughs> this morning, now. Now. <laughs> he, put, he puts a hand on her shoulder very gently. And, and she's like, hey, Sarge, you telling me I'm ready and my feeling prepared are two different things. And he's like, no, 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 you are ready. So ladies, let's put our hands together for Dr. Shaw, who has earned the rare privilege of an early graduation <laughs> And they get the fuck clap. out. Get the fuck out of here, bitch. Slow clap. And Kimberly is thrilled. She's beaming. Um, this is so bonkers. <laughs> this is such a crazy ass story. Like, and this is just kind of the beginning of where it's really gonna start going nuts. We'll see more later this episode. Um, 
I love the whole idea of No More Victims. I love everything that happened at No More Victims. Like, lest we forget the sweat lodge last week and her hallucination, mm. um, her running through the obstacle courses. Um, this has just been a real treat. Like, good for her. It is some just some <laughs> ridiculous next level soap opera bullshit. And it's been a real treat. I'm kind of sorry it's over, but I'm relieved for the drill sergeant because he knew he has so many more limbs. Like, I, I, I'm not sure I can let this one go only because I think like they captured the grunters at the gym, the people that like do, <laughs> do one lift and like obnoxiously drop the barbell and like make a bunch of noise. So everybody looks over at them with the 24, 25, 196, 197. <laughs> I don't know that that was a high art point. <laughs> it is about as good as I can do. You may need to just let this one go. Okay. Well, okay. 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 No more victims. No more victims. But Mary, I will see your no more victims. Okay. And I will raise you a, not all of us Midwesterners fell off the turnip truck. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I still got a bruise from when I went. Listen. Okay. So here's what happened. Pick up the gay Paul thing, right? Gay doctor, gay surgeon, gay Matt. Yeah. Uh, Gay, 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 gay. All right. So now, Mary, speaking of obnoxious people in the gym. We are in the hospital gym. I'm so glad you're going to talk about this because this oh, was in my So thank you. <laughs> this gym is in a, it's an exam room. Like the sink is right there. Like they clearly just, they have, it was the room they had on set. Wait, um, Amanda Woodward was in this room collecting orchids from Jane Mancini and Joe Beth Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, it's hastily put together. And it's, <laughs> it was, like they would have been better off like just putting a black curtain in front of the like they, they didn't it didn't need to be visibly in the hospital it didn't need to be a gym at all it could they could have set this anywhere they didn't have to build a special gym set for this they didn't they, have time they were they, recording so many of these things they should have made it easier on themselves but they needed they needed matt doing bench presses so that the spotter dr gay paul was like hovering over his face couldn't they, given that Matt seemingly has no job description, couldn't he have just been moving big boxes or something and needed a hand? Like, because he's it, already managing like the welcome committee and the blood alcohol testing and yeah. social services. Yep. Like, maybe they're just like, oh, you have to stay late this weekend to do the software upgrade and also these boxes. Yes, it, but it's not the heavy lifting that they needed to do. It was Matt laid flat with Dr. <laughs> Paul standing spread legged over him. That was the yeah. scene we needed. And I'm here to tell you, that's not a situation you can find yourself into readily. <laughs> you, I trust you on that. Yeah. I'm going to trust you on that. So this, this fucking gym, right? I, I couldn't even believe it. And it reminded me, Mary, that place we used to work before there was a new fitness center built. Yeah. I don't know if you'd ever gone into the old fitness center. Yeah. Um, it was no bigger than two dorm rooms. And <laughs> if there was so much as one student athlete in there, it was very clear you did not belong. Get out. It reminded me of that a couple of years ago, there was an NCAA, I believe, basketball tournament. Uh-huh. And they showed, they leaked pictures of the yes. men's training room and then yes. the women's training room. And the women's training yeah. room was like a gym mat and okay. like two barbells. Listen, but did they really need as much? I mean, they can't lift as much. So they can't. They can't. <laughs> much, much like gay Matt. Anyway, so gay Matt is bench pressing. Um, I did not notice if he was wearing a polo for this exercise. How could you not have noticed he was wearing a polo with gray jogging pants he, again? Again, I didn't notice. Who, I'm like, 
I would have let it go if it had never happened before, but this is a recurring problem now. All right. I it okay. Anyway, this is where they're talking. We learned that boyfriend is from Ohio, but Matt is not yet clear that boyfriend is gay. Okay. Okay. Not yet. Okay. Uh boyfriend says, um, he asks Matt where he's from, and Matt says, Oh, I'm from LA. And the boyfriend says, Oh my god, my first real life Angelino. And Matt, for some reason, replied with, yeah, we're not all bad. <laughs> I don't, I didn't think he said that. Where where did you get that from? Little, a little defensive, Matholomew. No, because wasn't the guy, Paul was just talking about how hard it is to get things done in Los Angeles and like how much his errands are taking up too much of his time because he has to try to get everywhere. Yeah. And people aren't helpful. Wasn't he saying something like that? You know, they, they live wide and across, not up. Can't find a good oh, elevator in this town. Not a single good elevator in the entire Listen, there's city. One elevator in the hospital, but Michael and Kimberly are always fucking in it. So <laughs> it's always out of order. Out of order. Anyway, uh, Matt says, uh, we're not all bad, all of us Angelinos. And Paul replies with, um, and not all Midwesterners just fell off the turnip truck. And it made me think, one, that's why it really kind of came home to me how many characters in Melrose Place are sourced out of the Midwest. <laughs> right so um i know this is going to be redundant because we just talked about this on models inc or recording but that episode i just checked does not drop until september and here today on february 6th, february 6th mary it doesn't matter but in universe right from the midwest we have sarah on models inc she's from iowa we have the andrews mancini sisters from illinois i assume michael is from illinois as well because yes, he, he is he, also from chicago also yeah. from illinois we have allison from wisconsin her dumb librarian sister that lives in a San Francisco mansion um, is also from Wisconsin. Billy's family is from Minnesota. Kimberly is from Ohio. From Minnesota, they moved to. They Minnesota. moved to Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Because from Minnesota, but it's all because any because Billy went to Minnesota, so they didn't want to deal with accents. And here in the Midwest, we ain't got no accents. Have they and been I will, here? Listen, Everybody's Mary, got an accent. I, we do not have an accent. Not, I mean, if you north, get yes. south, sure, um, but if you're yeah. over by Ohio, they don't listen, have an accent. They when, we, have accents. when they say someone's from Wisconsin, they do not fucking meet up by you. They're, they mean Milwaukee or Madison. Yeah, have you heard your accents down there? They're worse we, than ours. We get, get right out of time. We do not have an accent. That's why everybody is from the Midwest. We have normal voice. No, 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 no. Your, your most prominent regional comedian right now is a guy who goes around going, oh, oh, and like, oh, I'm no, sorry. God, geez, like, do you, oh, do you mean the guy that makes northern Wisconsin jokes? Yeah, and he's talking about Green Bay, which is like four hours south. That's northern Wisconsin. We're calling that out there. <laughs> uh, we should, since we mentioned him, we should encourage people to check out his YouTube stuff. What's his name? Charlie, Charlie Barons? I don't have, t- I don't keep track. I went to see him once. He raffled off a ranch dressing. Christ. and he, he does funny videos yeah charlie barons b-e-r-e-n-s i highly encourage people to check him out he has the manitowoc minute manitowoc of course is northern wisconsin i don't know that he needs us to buzz market him i think he's pretty famous <laughs> <laughs> okay oh but ron sure cul- appreciate it but, but, like- <laughs> but ron's culinary funk needs our help kathy ireland needs us hawking out her stuff at kmart i think those people actually do need our help <laughs> <laughs> okay Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll wrap this point up. But the high art point was just uh, regional stereotypes in the U.S. Come, come to life, right? The idea that everybody in L.A. is a rude, nasty jerk, pretentious, 
and on an eating disorder and that everybody from the midwest is a dumb slow slow hillbilly you really mind that out of there like i i can appreciate the amount of work you put in to trying to find something there. um I, you can you can disagree it's okay you don't have to be right um I just I'm impressed that you you carved that out of such a, a short scene and that you're <laughs> you didn't notice that he was wearing a polo shirt with jogging pants again like I, I'm gonna go back and see what was going on with the gray sweatpants situation it was upsetting but not in an objectifying way let the record no. show I do not no. objectify the gays no no wait is he gay <laughs> Matt yeah <laughs> It's uh, to be to be frank. To be frank, Matt being gay helped make me be gay. Oh wow! Now see, that should be your high art point. It will be. Wait till we get to the series finale. That's like eight years from now. <laughs> ten, ten before we drop the episode. Oh, God. I, really, genuinely, I don't mean to be morbid. It does occur to me that like these could still be dropping after I have died. If something happens, like there will be years will be going on, and it'll be like. Her, she's still talking about Melrose Place. <laughs> I was it's like, what you would have wanted. <laughs> if it, if it, this can go one of two ways. If I go first, um, nothing nothing can happen. You don't know the passwords. So like whatever <laughs> happens is going to happen. If you go first, I will put a, tea, like, a bumper audio at the beginning to say, <laughs> Mary, if there's one that she really loved Doritos. Let the record show Mary. She really loved Doritos. You know what you love? Doritos and talking about Melrose Place. <laughs> Doritos, dirigibles, and Melrose Place. <laughs> she died doing what she loved. She was eating Doritos in a dirigible that crashed while she recorded a Melrose Place cast. Okay, oh. so the wind wind would mess with the audio quality there, but everything else I can see. I can see it. It's, it's only going six miles an hour. I mean... <laughs> This week's episode of the Melrose Placecast is generously supported by the following sponsor. In this day and age, you can have the pick of the litter when it comes to online tutoring apps. You oh. can learn new languages. You can get your kid to read Bell. more good. You can uh-huh. learn how to meditate or gamble or master the flugelhorn. All of the knowledge of the ages is at your fingertips. Pause. Did you say flugelhorn? Flugelhorn. Is that like Betty White nonsense? No, it's a real thing. Okay, okay. Continue. But you may be asking yourself, what's the best way to learn remedial math? Certainly, it's not that cockamamie new math (laughs) the kids complaining about at school. No, no, no. When you want a tried and true methodology that's been time-tested, the Chicago way, you're going to want to go with Michael Mancini. It's Mancini math. Is that what it's called? Mancini mathematics. (laughs) Dr. Michael Mancini is a professional surgeon who dabbles in oncology, amongst other things. And he also loves teaching remedial math to anyone who will listen, preferably if he gets to yell it. Here's your first lesson for free. What do you get when you have one wife? One wife. You add one mistress. One mistress. One wife. So boring, only one. One wife plus one mistress equals negative one wife and plus one fiance. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. Okay, I'm following that. Okay, go ahead. What do you get when you have negative one wife plus one new wife and you carry over the mistress back into fiance territory? That is going to be negative two wife squared 
Carry the one fiance into plus one new wife. What the fuck? I gotta say, I think I think new math is better. <laughs> okay, here's a, here's a different way to look at it. All right, what if you've got a hundred thousand dollars? All right, plus a current estranged wife, plus a former estranged wife slash sister in law. Okay, okay, I okay. I've got some explaining to do to my <laughs> husband. Is what I've got. You sure do. All right. First, you have $50,000 because you've you've done minus $50,000 from your current yeah. wife. And okay. then this math problem continues because eventually you're going to subtract another 50000 when your former wife slash sister-in-law slash possible new love interest blackmails you for it. So now you have zero. Right. Unless she comes back and gets you back on the payroll for her <laughs> your first former wife's <laughs> business. <laughs> because you can't afford your rent because your current estranged wife moved out and now the first former wife slash sister-in-law is helping you pay your bills. So you won't be at zero, but you'll be at like maybe a thousand dollars a month, whatever your rent is. Are you following I, her? I just, yeah. All right. Here's another one. What do you get when you combine seven glasses of wine with one car ride? So, so well, I'm sorry, seven glasses of wine with one car ride? One car ride. Busted. No, see, you might think it's a blood alcohol level over the legal limit. <laughs> plot twist, not in Mancini mathematics. There, you're under 1.0. You're fine. You can <laughs> go, go, carry on your way. You're just fine. So you can download Mancini mathematics at your favorite favorite app downloading place. I don't have one. You pick whatever you want. Or the app, the app store, the app store. They don't need us to buzz market them either. They have plenty. Or you can visit Mancini Mathematics dot plus sign and enter promo code Snake Venom for five percent <laughs> off your first month of remedial math tutoring with a real life Italian surgeon. That's Mancini Mathematics. Half of nothing is nothing. Wow, I have to say, Mancini is just turning out the tricks like like he's sponsoring businesses like like he's got to put a ring on them. He really does, and like. Just that he's had multiple offshoots due to his love of mathematics is really impressive. You, it's what's weird is to think about if you take um, one wife who had mm -hmm. been minus chi squared after the seven wine in the road, yeah, but times the blood alcohol limit of point one plus the ten thousand dollar brooch, yeah, minus one medical study, uh. It, report but i i think i think that equals a walk to the coffee shop across the street <laughs> that's what we call a word problem oh in the mancini mathematics and that will surely be incorporated as part of one of your upcoming units if you download mancini mathematics mancini from mathematics from from your favorite app store your favorite one Whichever you can, one is your favorite. You could get it from the iPhone or whatever the fucking bullshit one that Mint Mobile or whatever is using. Whatever the crickets got. Yeah. Get it there. The one that the one that makes your text messages come through in the wrong color. Or is there one called the jitterbug? That's what it's called. That's the jitterbug. Yeah. That's that's what I think. Listen, listen, I'll tell you what. The people who use Samsung phones or or Galaxy phones, right? That sounds right. Sure. Listen. Have you ever been to a website, Mary, to look up someone's email address and they're like capitalizing the words in the email address? Yes. Yeah. Those are people that use not iPhones. 
Like, you know, they, they, they sketched out their website. Their first draft was in crayon. And they're like, yeah, I don't use iPhones. I'm better than that. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up, non-Apple users. Are you suggesting they drew pictures of their website in crayon while they yeah. were creating it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Listen, when your when your email address capitalizes the name of your business after the at sign, no, no, I do not presume you're an adult. Fair. All right. Yeah, that's fair. But well, listen, you know who doesn't do that is Michael Mancini Mathematics. Mancini Mathematics. No, I, I, but I do think I have one last question. How okay. would you solve this problem? Okay. okay. You've got one budding career as okay. a doctor minus a chief of staff that's out to get you plus okay. a hooker that plays cowboy with the chief of staff times a sister-in-law that watched you finger her older sister at the lake yeah that's what she described she says that's what happened i don't think that's exactly what was described <laughs> D- divided by a hot springs lagoon on the hike equals yeah Matt again at the scene of a crime <laughs> again. There's all the reasons to believe Matt did something bad. I just like that you use math to to prove that. I I can't listen. Ever since Mancini mathematics, I just can't stop mathing. I just got it. I love the math now. I he Michael loved the fish, and I love the math now. And we are back for the second half of season three, episode 27 of the Melrose Place cast. We are discussing a hose by any other name. I'm Tej. I'm Mary. And Mary, I, I was just thinking during the break, uh, I should say this on recording. If, if anything were to happen to me before we complete this series, I would want you to carry on either with Christopher or with Gail. Oh wow! With with Christopher, uh, because I think it would, uh, the content would keep churning. With Gail, uh, as a as a, a way to teach her a lesson about something, <laughs> about something. Yeah, about We're maybe sure. maybe the fact that she doesn't download these episodes. I know that because she's not called to yell at me about anything I've said about her recently. <laughs> maybe she's just saving them up for her holiday break. <laughs> <laughs> whatever holiday is current as of the release of this episode. She's, listen listen whatever she does on valentine's day next weekend is uh i'm sure we're involved she'll be thinking about us i god i hope not uh <laughs> you're up first mary all right the queen is dead long live the queen <laughs> this is gonna be a long ride but it's worth it all, all right. right i'll settle in i'll settle in <sighs> all right so Allison's at work. She's having a snit on the phone out in the bullpen about how the glorious gown sample ad got printed. It is upside down or something. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, She hangs up and she yells at Amanda in front of everyone uh, that she has a blatant disregard for detail, which is laughable because we've all met Amanda. Uh, Amanda's like, well, this printer's never screwed up before, so you must have left room for interpretation. (laughs) Oh, snap. Uh, Everyone is watching this, by the way. She's doing this out in front of everyone instead of her office that has a door. I don't know why she's out in the bullpen. Uh, well, because she's trying to tear Amanda down, but it keeps backfiring on her because she's not good at this. She's very bad at all of the things. Uh, Amanda then kind of throws Brooke under the bus. She's like, oh, Brooke was supposed to follow up. And Brooke looks shocked. Uh, but again, <laughs> they're they're working it together behind the scenes. So this makes sense. And Brooke's like, I'm so sorry. I should have done it. Allison's like, can you please excuse us? 
which is again laughable because they're out in the bullpen in front of everyone. Allison <laughs> tells Amanda, I can see what you're doing. And Amanda's like, four jobs at once. <laughs> my favorite lines, I think of it often. <laughs> Mary, I, I have to tell you, that was also almost one of my heart our points because I thought you could relate to it. <laughs> it's sad, but true. Uh, Allison's like, you're undermining my authority. Allison says, you're being insulting and blind. I'm trying to help you. If you can't see past your own insecurities, you're never going to be able to handle this job. And Allison's like, is that advice or wishful thinking? Billy walks up and he's like, hey, Allison, can we talk in your office? Yeah. Like, <laughs> maybe let's try that. Unlikely voice of reason, Billy Campbell. He follows her in his acid wash jeans. Let it go. Yeah. Let it go. He's like, let it go. Bitch, you got to chill or everyone's going <laughs> to mutiny on you. Like, this is getting bad. She's like, I'm just so tired. I'm working 16-hour days for weeks. I thought she was going to ask him for sex again, but she doesn't. They were and in then, Amanda's office, and they like to do it there. That desk has seen things. Uh, she's like, very stupidly, it reveals to him that the board has put her on notice because they're losing confidence in her. And then she's like, oh, don't tell anyone. Yeah. Don't tell Amanda. She'll move in for the kill. Billy is like, you're paranoid. Allison says, if this glorious gowns ad layout doesn't get fixed, we're going to miss all the spring magazines. And mm -hmm. Billy's like, just call the printer and work it out. Like, offer him a bonus. Just do what you got to do. You'll know mm -hmm. what, whatever you did, you gave it all, everything you had. And she pouts, but okay, fine. Later, Billy and Brooke are in a big bubble bath at Brooke's daddy's house. Daddy is out of town. Brooke's like, <laughs> work is so stressful. I just can't make Allison happy anymore. And Billy's like, it's not you. It's everything at work. And like, then this dumb motherfucker who has never kept a secret once on the show does it again. And he's like, oh yeah, the board put her on notice. And Brooke's like, oh, and he's like, don't say anything. She told me <laughs> he has learned nothing. He is stupid. Brooke is like, oh, what does it mean? She's playing dumb. And he's like, it means one more false move and she's out. And Brooke's like, oh, you know, that's just another reason we can't tell Allison about us hooking up. Cause like, I just want her to be able to ride this out. She really deserves this success. Mm -hmm. Billy agrees. And Brooke's like, could you wash my back? And he acts like he's a, like a wooden ventriloquist dummy. Like he shows no facial expressions. He's in the bathtub with his girlfriend. And he's just like, whatever. The next day at work, Brooke runs up to Amanda right away. Like while well, looking to see that no one's watching them talk. And she's like, I have an interesting piece of news. And she's like, Allison's been put on notice. Amanda's like, Oh, I assume Billy told you. <laughs> and Brooke's like, oh, I don't know. Uh, Amanda is like, hey, take the duplicates of this Glorious Gowns thing to a different printer and tell them we want 24-hour turnaround. We'll pay extra. Brooke's like, what about the original one? Amanda's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it, sweetheart. After she leaves, Amanda gets on the phone and calls the original printer, pretends to be Allison and says, oh, never mind. The deadline's back for two weeks. No rush. Yeah. Evil, evil thing Wow. The, the way she set Allison up, this it was offensively good. It was so good. It's so simple. She mm -hmm. makes it look so easy. Later, Allison is on the phone with the first printer, and uh, she's like, where's my stuff? And they're like, oh, you called earlier and said we don't have to rush. And she's like, ah. Uh, I did what? Well, I need it now. And they said, well, we can have it to you in two days. And she's like, fine. She calls Amanda in, but Amanda has already walked in. Is like, I'm already here. <laughs> she uh, yelled like, for Amanda, yeah. Oh, God. And so Amanda, she, she says, Amanda, did you call the printer and cancel the job? And Amanda is like, are you drinking again? Which is also <laughs> a great, horribly mean, the great line. Uh, Allison's like, no, uh, no one else has anything to gain out of this. I can't believe you'd sabotage glorious gowns like this. And Amanda's like, 
Uh, you called in the job and you've alienated Mrs. Molly's cookies and your screw-ups are endless, which mean but not unfair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Allison's like, well, the printer told me that I called and Amanda's like, you know, vendors lie all the time to cover their ass. That's part of the business. You should have gotten written confirmation. Allison's like, well, I'll just tell the board what's going on. And Amanda's like, no, no, don't. That's career suicide. Tell them that what happened, but blame it on me. Blame it on mm-hmm. Amanda. The board will back you, Allison, because in unity, there's strength. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Allison doesn't trust this, which is a good instinct. But Amanda's like, you're drowning, bitch. I'm throwing you a life ring. Outside of D&D, later that day, Allison is talking with Brooke. They're walking together. And she's like, I've made up my mind. I got to get rid of Amanda. And Brooke's like, oh, I totally understand. And Allison's like, do you know if Billy's seeing anyone? He's been acting weird. <laughs> Brooke's like, oh, no, no. We only talk about person. We don't talk about personal things. And she's like, maybe you should go get a massage, Allison. Like, you need to relax. And Allison's like, maybe I will. Do you want to come with me? And Brooke's like, nope. oh, no, no. And she gestures toward this limousine that's waiting. And she's like, daddy's waiting. <laughs> and she's like, oh, we're going to a family reunion. But I'll tell my dad you know, to send you his best wishes, which I thought was a weird thing. And I'm like, is this foreshadowing of what's going to happen with Allison and daddy? Probably, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. who knows? Allison gets, or Brooke gets in the car. And of course, Billy's in the car and they immediately start making out like dogs in heat. It's like they have hot dogs in each other's mouths and they're dogs. And they got to get out of it. Fuck, man. Fucking crazy. Mary, yeah. your anti-dog position is excessive. <laughs> but they're just like all over each other. Like he's like, it's, it was a lot. It was a lot. Uh, the hilarious part is they cut back to Allison standing on the curb and she's smiling and waving all the time away. It's really funny. Uh, the next day, they are having the meeting with Glorious Gowns guy and the board is there too. I don't really understand why, but whatever. Allison's like, the stuff is late. It was Amanda's fault. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Ama- Gowns- Amanda was responsible and here we are. Uh, Glorious Gowns guy is mad. He's like, is this an ad agency or a playground? And he's going to miss the June Bride magazine deadlines. And Amanda's like, Allison is right. It was my responsibility. Record scratch. Amanda gets up and hands up a bunch of layouts she said printed that are all ready for the magazines. Bum, bum, bum. Allison is shocked and is like, you set me up. And Amanda mm-hmm. replies, to try and please the client? Yeah, you're right. Now it gets real fun. We have lady fight. Right in front of all the boys. Right in front Allison. of all. This was so inappropriate. What it, what Allison, the way Allison was emoting was. You Wildly. Know what? Listen, listen. I know it's a cruel, a negative stereotype that women are too emotional. But this is an example of that. You know, I mean, stereotypes. <laughs> you know, women, well, bitches be crazy. Bitches be crazy. It would have been one thing if she were emotional about work, but she immediately veers out of work and goes, yeah. You've been trying to get back at me ever since Billy dumped you for me. And yeah. all the guys are like, whoa, like what's going on? Allison's like, it's true. From that moment on, I've had to work under a cloud of allegation and innuendo. Amanda's like, girl, you're humiliating all of us. Yeah. I've tried to work with you. I've tried to work with this massively incompetent woman. She has neither the respect of the staff nor the faith of the stockholders. I know you all have questions about my health, but I can assure you my health is excellent. Mr. Chairman, I either leave D&D and take my accounts with me, or I stay as, as president. president. Yeah, a I direct play. There she is. She's ready. Woo! Allison is incredulous, and she's mm-hmm. very unhappy. Uh, Amanda's like, so is the fact that the preacher gave Allison a discount. She failed to pass it on to the client. Allison's like, that's not true. She says, I've taken the company. And Amanda cuts her off and says, you sent it into a downward spiral. 
Allison snaps, the only mistake I ever made was not firing you, you conniving bleach bond piece of dirt, which is, it should, should have sworn there. It would have been better. Yeah, fun. it would have been better. Oh, the 90s. It should, what do you, I think it should have been bitch. Do you have a different? Yeah. Yeah. No, you bleach bond bleach. bleach and then you have alliteration, all the bleach. beats. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, they failed on that front. The chairman's like, that's enough, ladies. <laughs> and he stops and he goes, ladies, ladies, put your claws away. Ladies, Don't, am I right? You ju- y'all just spent money on those manicures. And he says, President Woodward, it's your call. But do us all a favor and err on the side of professionalism. Cut to Allison. Cut back to Amanda, who turns to Allison and says, you're demoted. But since you gave Brooke your old position, there's no place left for you. Consider this your two weeks notice. Which Billy cuts in. Not how terminations work. There is no HR department. Oh, that's true. Okay. <laughs> uh, Billy cuts in with, hey, there's always room for someone with talent. Hmm. Allison says, no, there's not. And she walks out. Brooke gets up and follows her. And she's like, Allison, I'll leave with you. I just can't stay and work with Amanda after what she's done to you. And Allison's like, I can't let you lose your job. I'll be fine. And she walks out of the building and Brooke feigns disappointment. And then we immediately cut to Amanda and Brooke popping a bottle of champagne in Amanda's new slash old office. They're smiling and laughing. And Brooke says, the queen is dead. Long live the queen. And Amanda toasts to her very little subject. Mm-hmm. They clink their glasses and giggle like schoolgirls, and they sip their drinks. And it is magnificent. And Amanda is a bad lady, but she did a wonderful job at this. And I can't say that Allison didn't deserve it because she walked right into it and she's been a dick to everybody for weeks. So wonderful soapy bullshit. I loved it. Oh, it was you worth know, the wait. You know, the artsy part of this that I wanted to find was the interaction with the board. But I can't. <laughs> I can't. That nonsense was exactly what boards do. They're fucking, it really they're, is. they're so disconnected and uninvolved with the organization they're manage overseeing that they they fall for shit like that they do and they're always like on to the next thing like you can distract them so easily like mary if you, were, you bet. if you were closer i would hand you a bar of zest bar of zest yeah like to award you for the soap oh. soapiness yeah oh yeah oh name brand well yeah but from dollar general well i don't want you to spend too much money yeah let's not people get are spending too much money all right, can I tell you my final high art point? Yes, please. Uh, the quote. Okay. How about you uh, invite me back to your place for a little nightcap? <laughs> yep. All three from one storyline. Gay, gay, um, gay, gay, gay. Just mine in that vein as much as you can. I love it. Oh, yeah. All in on that vein. All right. So <laughs> uh, boyfriend invites Matt. So this is at the end of the gym. They talk about they they support rural or I'm sorry, regional stereotypes in the United States. And then boyfriend invites Matt to dinner, which is Matt's first realization of like, oh, 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 that's what we're doing here. And then, <laughs> oh, okay, because they're gay and they're like, oh, who's the man? Who's the woman? Right? All of that. Mm-hmm. Boyfriend has to invite Matt to dinner and Matt has to say, well, I'll make the reservations then. Bitch, that's, that's not how this works. Like, no. nobody, we don't do that. We don't do that. I'll, what we do do is invite each other over for nightcaps or invite ourselves over for a nightcap. But that's another thing. Um, later, later. He invites Matt to dinner. And Mary, did you catch what time Matt said dinner starts? No. Eight a fucking clock. Oh, he's very continental. Eight zero zero Pacific time. That's very late on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're in bed. 
as they're that having you're dinner. In I'm in bed while these bitches are like, I don't know, super salad. Super salad. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so they go out to dinner and then they're walking down the streets. A boyfriend took Matt on a date. And then he just very forwardly invited himself back to Matt's apartment, which okay. Matt readily accepts. And uh, they, they go have their nightcap. I found that to be high art for the generations just because um, gays, I think, can be a little more direct than the straights. The straights have to like do that in, in, in part because women have a very straight women have a very justifiable fear of male violence. So strange men come into their apartment. It's a problem. Now, us on the gays, minus that one Jeffrey Dahmer situation, not a concern, not a worry we have to have. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So they they come back. And then I will say, surprisingly explicit for Melrose Place. Now, uh, two shirtless men were not on camera at the same time together. But we see Matt's bed, his bedroom. Matt is in his bed, shirtless, sleeping in the middle of the night. And boyfriend is walking through the apartment. We couldn't see him in the room at the same time. But we see him walking through the apartment. And he goes to a telephone. And he has to speak quietly because it's still the 90s. They don't have cell phones yet. He couldn't text. But he calls and a woman answers. It is his wife and he lies and says there's a multi multiple car car accident. I'm going to be working late. So we learn yeah. that Paul is married. And now we have to say married to a lady. Uh, but back then we could just say married. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. Sure. Yeah. So uh, Dr. Boyfriend is married to a lady and there's something shady going on. As far as we know right now, it's just that he's kind of on the DL um, but as as we know, we've seen the show before. This is a much bigger deal than than <laughs> that that uh, is coming Matt's way. Um, yeah, but but my high art was just one gay man saying to the other, like, "Yeah, hey, I'm going to come to your house and fuck you." How about that? I would like to point out what they were wearing on their dates. Okay, please do. I didn't notice. How do you not notice? I'm just so into the chemistry. Matt is wearing a long sleeved polo. What? I didn't know that was a thing. Do they make those? I'm pretty sure it was a long sleeve polo shirt. Because it wasn't a Henley, because it had a collar. It had like mm -hmm. a little polo shirt collar. Mm -hmm. And it was striped and it was very unattractive. <laughs> and Paul was wearing, and I know it was the 90s, so I'm I'm taking that in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was wearing a blazer that looked like it belonged to like Sinbad the comedian or like Shaquille O'Neal. It was easily like eight sizes too large. It looked like when David Byrne performed with the Talking Heads in the 80s. He had his giant suit. It was far too big. And I know that's how people wore clothes then, but I didn't care for it. Uh, no, so I didn't notice that. Um, I really didn't. <laughs> okay. But well, you also don't notice acid wash. Apparently that's a blind spot. So. I, I notice it now because you always freak out about it. I just think you're a little uh, over dramatic about it mary it's not that it's acid wash it's that he's at work in acid wash jeans no one else in the office is even wearing jeans let alone acid wash jeans he's not filming a goddamn guns and roses video he's at a corporate job at a corporation okay okay calm down jeez bitches be crazy you can't tell listen. women to calm down <laughs> listen i'm not saying that i have any confusion about what upsets you i'm just <laughs> yeah. saying we keep having to go over this. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, maybe I, you're more worried about it than the rest of us. I don't think that's true. I look forward to feedback from the one person who might listen to this, <laughs> who may also be irritated by the acid wash jeans at work. If he wants to wear them when he's out trotting around pretending to play soccer in the park, that's great. 
Although I can't imagine those are great for soccer because it seems like you wouldn't have a lot of bend. Like what do you mean stretchy. a lot of bend? A lot, what do you mean a lot of bend? It's not like a stretchy, like a, a, an acid wash jean versus like a short, you know, for playing soccer. Athletic okay. wear. You know what? I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to let it go. I got to let it go. <sighs> what a time to be alive. Mm-hmm. Mary, you've got you've to finish this off. Oh, God, I do. Oh, God. All right. Um, I got, oh, <laughs> well, this is Matt adjacent, which okay. you might like. Okay. I call this one. Can I get you a coffee, juice, sausage burrito? Oh my God. That homophobic bitch. That it was such a homophobic line, right? Did you catch that? Yes. <laughs> and the little giggle. Oh, Kimberly. So Kimberly is back. She has come back to the hospital. Uh, Michael saw her and he goes over and he's like, why, why are you here? We had a deal that you'd quit and go away forever. And she's like, well, no, I, we didn't. <laughs> Cause of which we already knew. Cause wasn't Matt just looking for her last week at work and asking why she wasn't there? So yeah, yeah. Anyway, she's like, I just took a week off of sick time. And he's like, Well, you should be on permanent sick leave, which is like a zinger that a kid gives to another child in middle school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's like, You left some stuff at the beach house. And she says, Don't worry about it. I went and got it this morning. Here's my keys. And he says, When you disappear, my danger antenna goes up. Where have you been? And she says, Doesn't matter where I've been, Michael, only where I'm going. That's a very, that's a soap opera kind of line. It made me think of Reba. Uh, Reba. Sweet Reba. He sarcastically says, oh, and is today like the first day of the rest of your life? <laughs> and she says, you can be as sarcastic as you want, but I'm not leaving Los Angeles because I can handle you, this city, and anything in between. I am back permanently. And she's, she smiles and she hops into an elevator and he says, well, not if I have anything to do with it. Enjoy your last few days, babe. And she replies, enjoy yours michael the elevator doors close and he stands there and looks pissy later michael no matt is out on the sidewalk at a table i think he's having lunch it's a little unclear he's chatting and having a nice visit with someone we've never seen before who i assume works there and they're laughing kimberly walks up and interrupts and she's like i have an emergency situation to talk about with you and the guy like the extra who matt is talking to gets up like he's really in a huff like that he has to get up <laughs> and he walks off with his food and then that's like your narcissism never ceases to amaze me like i'm talking to this other guy and she's like oh could i buy you some coffee juice a sausage burrito and she giggles what the hell? it was it was it was the 90s i guess he's like pissed off he's like no what do you want <laughs> and she's like come and she's like i'm i'm really sorry i've been awful to you i regret it and he says yeah right the check's in the mail and she says, no, no, like, I really mean it. Like, anything you need me to do for your profession, you let me know. Like, I can talk to the board if you need something. He's like, why? And she's like, I've done a lot of damage and I'm full of remorse. She said, I had a lot of rage from being in a bad marriage. Can you forgive me? And Matt, bless his little gay heart. He doesn't say yes, but he's like, you can tell he listens. And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. And she hugs him and she gives him a peck on the cheek. And she's like, I'm turning over a new leaf, Matt. Maybe we'll even be friends one day. And she walks away all smiles. And Matt kind of gives her the side, but he's kind of smiling too. Later, the tail and the last scene of the episode, Kimberly, we know she's moved out of the beach house. Where is mm-hmm. she staying? It's at a motel. So that's nice. She is laying on the floor of her motel room. And she's got a big stack of publicity shots of Michael from the show. <laughs> yes. I, uh, I, there yes. Are lots of, many duplicates of the same picture, but that's fine. I get they were probably in a hurry. And she's cutting all of his eyes out of the photos and saying, an eye for an eye. 
an eye for an eye. And as we zoom out from above, we look and they're scattered all over the floor and she's got candles burning. And I just wrote, yeah. this seems really healthy. <laughs> um, this is, I love this little pair, these little trip, tri it's a trio of scenes. I love that she got to have an interaction with Michael. I love the ominous of her telling him to enjoy his time. Yeah, enjoy um, your last few days. I liked her little scene with Matt because I really don't know, I forget, I forget what this means. I forget if she's being sincere or not. I assume she's not, but I've always said how much I like when those two are being catty little bitches together. And I'm like, I really wish they would be friends because I think it would be fun to watch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this last little scene of her at the motel, cutting out all the eyes of the prosthetic shots is juicy soap wonderment. It is a delight. I forgot this was coming. And especially with all the candles, I'm like, just be careful so you don't start a fire because I, I, there will be enough fire in the, at the season finale because <sighs> of the alleged explosion. I could not believe she offered him a sausage burrito. That I was like, "What the?" I paused it and rewound it because I thought I misheard, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" There's no excuse for that other than making a gay joke, right? God, she does like to make gay jokes. I think more than anyone else on the whole show. Like <laughs> she really leans into it. <laughs> I just think these two, under the right circumstances, and I know it's that's not the show, and it will never be on the show. But these two would have been a fun little pair, like especially if Matt ever became devious, like the two of them, like pairing up and like. Oh my god! Schemes. You know, uh, yes, this is trashy. Got it. Good, <laughs> especially the candles. There was no excuse for the candles. There, no, no part of character development suggested that candles would be a part. Of, oh, why did she need the candles? That's not good lighting. It's not good lighting. It's not like she needed to know where to cut the eyes out, right? Especially because so many of the prints were duplicates. Like, yeah. once you've done one, you'll remember where they are. But, you know, thinking of good pairings of, like, if people were paired up well in this show, what it would have been like, I want to talk about a highlight we didn't talk about, which was Michael and Amanda. Yes, I had that in my notes. So they, we started the episode uh, with Michael and Amanda. They, that was the cold open. And then nothing. That was it. But Michael comes in yelling in the middle of Melrose Place, right out in the pool where Allison was swimming naked when the fun police showed up <laughs> and yelling, what the, Amanda, Amanda. And she comes out and she's like, Michael, let me make this clear. The restraint, you're restrained from 300 feet of me and you're violating it by half. And Michael yells, well, let me tell you about Mancini mathematics. Half, <laughs> half of nothing is nothing. And he rips up the restraining order because that makes it go away. That's very legally binding. If you just rip up the legal papers, it's gone. Also, how many restraining orders has Michael received so far? Jane had a restraining order on him, right? I think just the two. I think Jane had the one, and now Amanda has one. I don't think Sydney ever did one, did she? I think she, she always she wants a, to get back. Yeah, she had a, a negative distance order. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Amanda has filed a restraining order against Michael because of his um, harassment. And he yells, no wonder your red count was so low. You don't have blood. You have snake venom running through your veins. <laughs> These two lovebirds. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of lovebirds, Sydney showed up with Michael. Yes. Now I'm remembering uh, part of why Kimberly was going to go apeshit on Sydney, right? It's not just that she stole the money. It's now she's got Michael and Michael is, is hers. But yeah. Sydney just shows up at the hospital Michael slams his locker and says, oh, you, you know, you're about as welcome as a tsunami after an earthquake. 
<laughs> and Sid wants to team up with Michael to push Jane out of Mancini Designs. This came out of nowhere to me. Sis- like- sisters! And here's another example. She says, let's have dinner. She says she'll make dinner. He doesn't even have to chip in for groceries, which is good because she stole $50,000 from him. (laughs) And uh, she says, I'll come over. I'll make dinner. I'll be there at eight. Mary, she's going to make dinner and she's going to start at 8 p.m. Pacific time. Maybe it's just TV dinners, though. What the fuck? Who? Let me tell you, if someone says to me, Hey, I'm going to start making dinner at 8. My reaction is, PM? No. <laughs> I mean, I haven't eaten dinner yet. I. Michael comes home. He says he can't afford the beach house on his own. He's got to get rid of it. And he asks Sydney to pay the rent, you know, since if she has remorse. Because Sydney says she feels bad about stealing from Michael and blackmailing them. And she pretty much says she'll pay the rent if he fucks her whenever she wants. And he <laughs> he says... Call it whatever you want. Let's just get it over with, which is, you know, he's a smooth talker. And uh, (laughs) she straight up put him on the payroll. And Jane saw it. Jane saw it. Jane. Useless Jane. Did you have any highlights you want to talk about? Let me see. I think I'm glad you brought up Mancini Mathematics. That was on my list. Yeah. Uh, Half of nothing is nothing. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, my only other one we haven't, and I don't want to recap because I think it's stupid. Um, so there's a plot line where Joe is now boinking Jake's brother, Jess, the Wolfman. Her hunk of burning love. Hunk of burning love. Uh, and so she's at Shooters and she's talking with Jane and she's like, Jane is complaining. I was so desperate to save my business that I did a deal with the devil. And Joe's like, well, Sydney will screw up sooner or later, which <laughs> fair enough. And, and Jane is like, oh, what's going on with you lately, Joe? And Joe's like, I'm having the most intense, passionate relationship of my life. No one talks like this. This is so soap opery. Joe's like, I feel like I'm having my own private bedathon, and all the donations are coming right to me. I'm like, no one <laughs> talks like this. No one would say this. Oh my god. But yeah, so Joe and Jess are banging, and, and then Sydney catches them. She hears them through the thin walls upstairs, and she tells Jake, and Jake is mad, and he goes and yells at Joe. And Joe probably should have just told him, but she didn't. And everybody is wrong. Everyone involved in this whole situation is wrong. <laughs> Wolfman leaves soon, right? Uh, season finale. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this, um, this storyline is weird. Uh, and Sydney telling Jake because she heard Jess and Joe fucking in the apartment. I was like, <laughs> that that seems weird. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. What well, and Jane? So in in real life, I believe this is when Josie Bissett started complaining to the writers of like, "Why don't you let me do anything interesting?" <laughs> um, so so Fair enough. <laughs> so we're beginning. She's been, you know, she you you cover that. She's so made the deal with the devil. Sydney set up a deal with two business guys. One of them married with the poofiest hair. So the poofiest cool. hair. It it's goes so out weird. about an inch from each side of his head. He's got That's... volumizing. He's using the Alberto VO5 for sure. Yeah. Anyway, she goes on a dinner date with a guy and they make a deal where they're going to slap Mancini Design's name on these pantyhose. Yeah. For $125,000, they'll pay Sydney. 
and 60 cents per carton of pantyhose. And Cindy is like, great, because she argued it up. They offered $100,000.50. And she was like, $125.60. She's, she's a business a, lady. She's a business lady with a hat. <laughs> the guy did say on the dinner date with the poopy hair, asked Sydney, how did you get this job? And she says, well, let's just say I'm a very clever girl. <laughs> now, earlier, they said uh, they figured she'd be good on this deal because you did used to work for Lauren. And she did not like that. You didn't like that they brought up fancy face. No, no, no. Well, I, is that, I now forgive me if I'm jumping ahead. I don't want to do spoilers. Is this the beginning of the pastrami on rye scenario? I don't remember the pastrami on rye, but this is Jane is setting Sydney up right now. Yeah, it's pastrami. This is pastrami on rye. Everybody, just buckle up. Like, I don't remember that, but oh, you you will not forget it once you hear it again because they repeat it about eight hundred thousand times. Uh, this is again. Jane is blackmailing Sydney in reverse, and it is still boring. It is still boring. Jane's boring. Well, let me say, okay, so there's the moment at the end of the episode where Jane is at the office and Sydney comes back from her date, I think, with the pantyhose guy. And Jane's like, I didn't know if I should call the cops or you. And Sydney's like, what? And they, oh, <laughs> there's a box of pantyhose and she dumps it up. And there is a comically enormous thing of heroin wrapped up in there. And I was like, did they save this in the props department from the when Joe was locked in the booby hatch on Reed's boat? Because remember they had those things of heroin. I mean, they yeah. just pulled this out of the closet. Yeah, Good for yeah. them. Reuse, got, reuse, reuse, recycle. Listen, it's LA. The liberals they got the heroin in trucks anywhere they can. You know, they they <laughs> it was LA in the nineties. They probably went to the vending machine. To be honest. Oh my god! Yeah, probably right at the airport when you get to town. Billy probably almost got some for his family when he was running through the airport at LAX to get to Minneapolis. I bet they even have it at that little tiny airport with the one parking spot they went to. You know what? And Allison, she could have either bought Billy a brick of heroin or a fancy pen, and she went for pen. Who knows what might have happened if she went the other way? Well, Mary, uh, I am here with a heavy heart to apologize formally for my most recent ad sponsor. Uh, I won't even bring it up again. We've heard loud and clear from the listeners did not like it um but i think i think i found a more acceptable um but yet somehow even more offensive sponsor this week can i tell you about them i think you may as well get it over with <laughs> well this week's episode of the melrose place cast is proudly sponsored by mancini mathematini standardini's New math standards for every elementary school in America, Mary. Oh my God, what are the chances? Oh, you thought you knew how to do math, but you turns out you didn't. For, for example, the record, I did not think I knew how to do math. <laughs> didn't you work in fundraising? I, I ran the computer. It yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, you did you know half of nothing is nothing? Oh! We call that... Mancini, Mathematini, Standardini's. <laughs> now, I've got just a couple examples of how we're going to teach math differently to kids in America today. All right. All right. All right. So now you've been doing it all wrong. You know, you know, those BuzzFeed posts where the, it says things like you've been spreading peanut butter all wrong. And I don't like those. They make me feel uh, like I'm being judged. Oh, well, wait till you wait till I tell you about math. <laughs> Oh, good. Something I'm not at all sensitive about. <laughs> Suppose you want to add seven plus eight. 
I guess I might want to sometime. First grade students might utilize the number line method to conceptualize the addition process. I'm already lost. First, draw a horizontal line, a horizontal numbered line starting with zero to the end to the left of seven. To add eight to seven, start with seven on the line, then add eight small ticks or units on the number line to the right of seven. Now count these units starting from seven to arrive at the answer of 15, or seven plus eight is 15. Mancini, Mathematini, Standardinis. Isn't that simple? Is in trouble. <laughs> now, let me tell you. How about the number bonds method? Have you learned the number bonds method? I don't think I did. No, you sure didn't. The number bonds method refers to a technique used to break down numbers into smaller numbers, then add up that sum. For instance, the, the sum of 10 can feature a wide range of numbers, including 5 plus 5 equals 10 or 6 plus 4 equals 10. Are you with me so far? Genuine it, question. It sounds familiar. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Wasn't sure. Using this method, you can add two numbers together. So suppose you want to add 5 plus 10. Using the numbers bond method, you can make it easier by first breaking the 10 down into 5 plus 5, then making the equation 5 plus 5 plus 5, which gives you the answer of 15. See? Mancini, Mancini, Standardini. Is this what it was like when I talked about dirigibles that one time? Okay. <laughs> What about Mary? Have you ever needed to add large numbers? Not in your fundraising department. Not in my life work, no. <laughs> no, this is for more proficient students. Oh. They can use the number bonds method to conceptualize and solve addition problems involving large numbers. So, okay, picture Mary. Say you want to add 140 to 74, right? Okay. Okay. All right. So you can break down 140 into 140, and you can break down 74 into 30 and 40 and 4 which would leave you with an equation looking like this, 100 plus 40 plus 30 plus 40 plus four. See how simple this is? And then you can add the 40 and the 40 equal 40 plus 40 and you arrive at 80. And then that leaves you 100 plus 80 plus 30 plus four, right? Are you with me so far? So much easier than just 140 plus 74, you know, because then you got to carry the carry the one and ugh. Who wants to carry things? If, yeah. So if you add the 80 to the 30, you get 110, leaving you with a new equation of 100 plus 110 plus 4. And the correct answer to this equation, of course, would be 214. Or, uh, you know, if you want to be simpler, 140 plus 74 equals 214. Did you see how, like, this is just, it just rolls off the tongue with Mancini, Mathematini, Standardini's. Are these uh, only available in the United States or other countries <laughs> going to utilize these? I mean, okay. like the good countries that get good good results, are they using this, <laughs> or is it just us? I gotta, I gotta tell you, uh, just to be clear, Mancini, um, Mathematini, uh, Standardini's did provide text for me to read for this ad, taken directly from, and this is no joke, CareerKarma.com. It sounds like bad karma. <laughs> Essentially, like with a page uh, helping math teachers. Uh, explain to whiny Gen X parents why we're doing math this way. So man, Michael Mancini, he's such a smart businessman, and he's got to make up that $50,000 Sydney blackmailed him out of. <laughs> so he's taking common core math and just rebranding it, right? Slap it, he's like Trump, just slap your name on it. And uh, I, I just thought it was, you know, listen, is this as offensive as a 9-11 joke? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. But somehow... Um, but somehow appropriately offensive. And I think that's where we missed the mark last week. I wouldn't call this You're, you're going to want to do something about that fucking cattail. 
It's going to hit you in the face. So it's my whole life here. Um, this sounds really um, innovative. Yeah. And yeah. like it's really going to, you know, take a lot of the mystery out of math for mm-hmm. young and old alike. And mm-hmm. if there's one person I can count on to provide good math advice, it's a, it's a surgeon slash temporary oncologist. <laughs> now, listen, Mary, I don't want, I don't want to give too much away for free. No, you would never. No. But have you heard of multiplication? Oh, God. I feel like I heard of it when I was younger. Listen, if you had learned multiplication with the Mancini, Mathematini, Standardinis, you would never forget it. Suppose, Mary, you want to multiply three times four. Okay. Okay. I'll give you a minute to think of what that answer would be. In the old way. In the old way. The Mantini, the Mantini Standardini approach works to provide more clarity on how to tackle multiplication problems. The basic idea behind multiplication involves repetition and addition. So with this in mind, here's how you could creatively rewrite and solve the problem using the new standard methods. Are you ready? Yeah. Three times four could just be three plus three plus three plus three. Did you know that, Mary? Did you know that, Mary? Yeah, okay. Oh, anyway, listen, new math, it's the way to go. This really does sound very new to me. <laughs> I mean, not the concept of math in general, but these really exciting and innovative methodologies that really sound like gibberish to me. <laughs> but again, I was an English major and I took a linguistics class to substitute for math in college. So <laughs> maybe I'm exactly Same. in the wheelhouse. Same. <laughs> let, let me tell you, have you ever heard a parent bitching about this new math? Yes, I have. They don't like it. And I don't when, blame them from the sounds of this. When when my son was in like kindergarten, I would hear parents, right? Like with older kids bitching about it. And I would I would say things like, Hey, you gotta trust the teachers. They know what they're doing. They're in the class. But when my fucking son brought me home some second grade math homework and I couldn't do it, I was like, What the fuck? What the hell is this? Ms. Brown? If that is your real name. Sounds fake. Um, just like a legitimate question about all this math stuff. Does it work better? Like, do they have, has it been shown to get better results? Or is this, we're all just experimenting still? Are you asking if the American educational system holds up to other countries? I mean, I think I know the answer. Listen, but... the the concepts, the, the Mancini, Mathematini, Standardini's concepts of math are important because they're widely taught in schools, but the the goal is compelling students to have a deeper understanding of math. And I think that's what they're telling parents when we call and say, we don't know how to do this addition problem. (laughs) Because we look at 11 plus nine and we just say 20. And the kid's like, but what about my little number bar? And we're like, the fuck are you talking about? Tick marks? Because for us, the, the 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 last real generation yeah uh, we we learned math as do you remember the memorization charts you had yeah spread yeah like you just, you just had to fucking know it you didn't you, get to tick around you, you had to memorize it mary please this is a family podcast you didn't get to tick around <laughs> with your tick marks those little tick marks yeah anyway melrose place Cast sponsored by Math Mantini, Math Mantini, Standardinis, a subsidiary of Math Mantini, Sandatini, Testinis. <laughs> we do I math need- tests. 
we do sanity test because this math will make you need to test your sanity. <laughs> it's it's a cycle. It's a cycle. Repeat one, business. Yes, one feeds into the other. All right. So wait, seriously, how how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? <laughs> I told you this, right? So it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the re- the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far. Okay. But there's also, but then Mary, there's the, the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. Oh God. How long? Yeah. And, and uh, Models Inc. has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc.? It's a two-season spinoff. Of what? What did they? Of, of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. The lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. And I do think nine hundred two one zero to get to understand where this show came from is probably worth exploring. I I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Allie McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the contents of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. Okay, so we're in for all of it. Oh, God.